0: Welcome to the Leadership Download podcast. On this episode, we're actually going to have an interview with Travis. Travis has uh, Travis and I have been co-hosting this podcast for a couple of years now, and um, we're going to be taking a break with guests, and we are going to be interviewing each other. So on this week, Travis will be uh, interviewed by myself. And the next week, uh, you'll get some insights on my story a little bit or Travis will be interviewing me. So, uh, we really hope you enjoy this podcast episode. This is an awesome interview. Um, it gives a little bit insight of who Travis Van Dusen is. And, uh, if you want to connect with Travis, uh, you can find him on social media as well. And he also launched his own venture that I'll, uh, provide some more insights on after the podcast episode. So I really hope you enjoy this podcast interview with Travis Van Dusen. Well, Travis, uh, it's really a, an amazing opportunity to get to interview you and um, also to hear more about your story and for you to share your story to our audience, listeners, and viewers.
1: Yeah, happy to be here. it be a first time really doing anything like this from this perspective. So uh, it'll be interesting how it all turns out.
0: Yeah, I know a little bit about your story, but I'm looking forward to to learning some more. So, um, give us some some background before we go a little bit deep. You know, give us some background of um, your upbringing and growing up. I know you're originally from uh, North Carolina, so I guess let's start there.
1: Yeah, so originally from North Carolina, uh, love love North Carolina, best state uh, in the in the country. I've always enjoyed living here. Gotten to live many different places. Uh, and I always seems to want to be brought when I'm back in North Carolina, it's when I'm the happiest. Uh, so yeah, grew up family, family of four, had a younger sister, mom and dad, dad's a truck driver. My, uh, mom, uh, ran a daycare for most of her, most of her career and, uh, group kind of this middle-class average, average family. Uh, nothing, nothing overly special. Went to church on Sunday, uh, you know just nothing nothing overly exciting for for the early years
0: yeah well i have a difference of opinion on uh north carolina being the great state i say it's the great state of california where i'm
1: from so <laughs> you know we call you you know you know what we call all the great state of californians that are coming to live in in uh north carolina now so yeah so, um whoop. so
0: i guess uh so let's start with um you know one of the unique experiences you have is um living in Haiti so talk about more so how that opportunity came up and um what how your journey was throughout that time because you you lived there for quite an extended time and uh so just dive deep in there and and um yeah
1: I think yeah I think to start talking about the the story of how everything made it to Haiti I had to go back to about 13 or 14 years old Uh, my parents um, were not in the best habit of getting us to church on Sundays and, and really hadn't been that great of an example up until that point. And we, uh, I guess my parents realized as my sister got older and as we were getting older that needing a little bit of uh, grounding in somewhere would be, would be beneficial. And uh, they decided to start taking us to church and they church shopped around and we ended up landing at a church called New Life Wrestling Church out in here in Garner, North Carolina. And uh, we started going there. And that's when I actually met probably one of the more transformational people that I, in my, my faith journey, uh, a man named Josh Leroy. He was in his early 20s. He just became a youth pastor. And uh, was really one of the first people to uh, be willing to walk beside me and kind of guide me and, and kind of help me navigate my middle school and some of my high school years um that really kind of set me straight and kind of helped me uh find my way to um to basically navigate high school without any major, major failures. You know, a, a lot of people have struggled to get to those 18, 19, 20 years old, uh 20 year old period. But you know, my my faith and my my uh rootedness in having great relationships. Uh, People who were older than me, that the guidance that I was able to get from them uh, was huge. That allowed me to uh, to kind of just stay on the stay on the narrow path that that was necessary for me to make it through. Uh, Well, when I was a senior in high school, uh, I had the opportunity to visit Haiti. It was just a mission trip, you know. It was one of those deals where my parents were like, you know, you're getting a little ungrateful, and uh, I think it'd be good for you to go spend some time somewhere where. People are having a, you know, things are a little harder, a little more complicated. Uh, not knowing that when I got there, what I would see would be, you know, would be extreme poverty. We'd see, you know, extreme situations that uh, most people never see, you know, uh, something you see on TV. You know, it's something that you don't get to experience uh, in real life. And and I spent a week in, in Haiti the first time and came back as a as a very broken individual, uh, from perspective of the way the rest of the world, uh, functions. Um, I, I could just remember, uh, I had to give a little speech on stage at my church the Sunday after and, uh, pretty much all I could do was cry and I'm not a crier. Okay? I mean, you've known me for quite a while. I'm not an overly emotional individual. Um, but for about a week after that trip, I was just an emotional wreck of, of just everything I had seen everyone I had met, everything I dealt with. And that really just began a journey of me making multiple trips uh, to Haiti. And then in, um, let's see, maybe the early 2011, 2012, was around 2011, uh, an opportunity came up for me to be able to serve with a nonprofit organization in Haiti uh, called Haitian Homes for Haitian Children, ran by a lady named Jane Carney out of uh out of georgia monroe georgia and uh we got together and started working on projects and then i ended up making the move uh down to haiti and became more of a permanent fixture there Uh, spent about three years straight without leaving the country uh in haiti uh, working with basically helping uh children who could not afford school get enrolled into school getting them uniforms Uh, getting the basic necessities uh, so that they would not be uh, left behind. Uh, One of the interesting things and one of the things that most people don't know about countries like Haiti um, is that many times the kids that are in orphanages are not actually orphaned children. The people that are actually there are the kids that are there are Are generally left by their parents at some point because they're they're unable to take care of their children anymore and uh my now wife for over 12 years uh alias was part of that story she had a mother she had other siblings and but yet her mother could not provide so she 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 was able to send her to an orphanage where she was able to grow up and be educated and and, and be, you know, go on to be, be successful. Um, so Haitian homes for Haitian children was created for the the direct reason to try to combat that. It was trying to keep families together so that, uh, this, these, these kids having to be brought up in orphanages without a mother or a father or without any kind of parental figure directly in their life. So that was our goal. So I did that for, uh, for, for almost four years. Um, During that time period, uh, while I didn't speak uh, the language, and when I first got there, I began using a translator. Um, This was actually even before I moved there, I began uh, using a translator. Uh, We we connected, we got along really well. Uh, We started talking even when I was back here in the States, and we began dating. We were married like a year later. um, And 12 years later, we're married. We have three children. So, and so, you know, Haiti has a, a very soft place in my heart forever, just because of what it's given me. Um, it's given me a lot of life lessons. Um, I tell everybody, I believe that everyone should, uh, spend at least some time in their life, you know, a week or two, at least, uh, in a, in a third world country. Uh, cause once you've, once you've done something like that, your perspective changes, everything's different. Um, the little, the challenges that we face here in the United States, while sometimes can be frustrating and, and, and can, you know, can be negative, uh, oftentimes we never find our circumstances to be as rough or as, as difficult as they are um, living in, living in a country like Haiti. Um, so, but yeah, so that was, that was uh, the first, basically I, my first five years after high school were, were devoted to uh, the country of Haiti and then in 2014 2013 2014 time periods when we moved finally moved back to the U.S. and uh, a year later had our first child so
0: um, I know you I just learned recently you know how to speak Creole so say like hey
1: how are you or something say something so so the good afternoon so it's good afternoon here so it'd be bonsoir como oye <laughs> I think
0: that's yeah. so cool <laughs> but um, so with your Haiti experience, uh, I know you, you must have seen a lot of things that probably we see on just get a, a small flavor of on TV, and it's probably actually worse than what it what they're showing. Um, what would you say living in Haiti? What are some life lessons that you've learned experiencing living in another culture?
1: Well, I'll say the obvious one up front is that we are certainly um given a, a major advantage. We are given a major advantage growing up in a country like we've gotten to grow up in, Cameron. Um we we have there's so much upside to the opportunities we have here in this country. Um so one of the biggest lessons I took away is when I came back to the when we came back to the US, um after be, be, me being gone for almost four and a half years, at that point, in some ways, I was almost like an immigrant coming here with the the hunger I had to to go and now make something of myself here, uh, and that really drove my early my early transition back into the to the workforce. Here was I had seen all of the opportunity that we have here that many people don't see it because they 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 only see they've only see it from their perspective but when you've lived on the other side of 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 the coin so to speak and now and now you're having the opportunity to come back and live on that other side again you know the grass is much greener usually on on this side the opportunities are here the um the chances of being able to make something of yourself um are here and you know? so i i was able to apply myself much more um uh, the other things I've learned there, man, it's just, you know, keep keep life simple. You know, uh, one of the things I always appreciated about when I would go into the bush, you know, out into the countryside uh, of Haiti would be you would meet some of the poorest people you'll ever meet in your lifetime. But you would find some of the happiest people you'll ever meet in your lifetime. And, and I think that's when I really began to realize that financial wealth is not going to determine your happiness. And that the only thing that money really does for you in life is provides you with options. So yeah, we want to make money yeah, we want to be financially viable in our lives. But if we're expecting that to somehow solve our problems and to, to make that, you know, find our happiness through that, we will very quickly come to a, it's always going to be the, the next, the next thing, the next thing. So I found that, you know, you can be uh, poor and be happy. Those are two separate things where in my young mind at that moment, I, I assumed my success and my, my financial uh, status as my happiness and, uh, there's why there's nothing wrong with making money. You know, we, we all love to make money. Um, it's not, I shouldn't be looking for my happiness, my, my fulfillment to come from those areas.
0: Yeah. That's one thing you, you make a good point there because that's one thing that I know I definitely learned. Cause I, I got the opportunity to live abroad as well in the Caribbean in Antigua. And my initial reaction was people are so happy. People are so happy, doesn't matter what job they're doing, whether they're a cleaner janitorial to frontline staff to whatever, people were comfortable where they were at and they were happy and everything that they did, the reason why they were happy is because their why and their why was for family. Their why wasn't for greater wealth, greater success. Of course, everyone wants that, right? Um, But that wasn't their focus. Everything that they did was for family and they truly valued family.
1: Yeah, no, it it really was. It it really teaches you to live in the moment. Um, You know, one of the things with I think everyone, especially here in America, we struggle with is we're always living three or four or five steps ahead. Um, You know, even my even in my busiest times of the year. I'd be hosting groups and, and different you know, different people coming down from the States and we would be doing fundraisers and, you know, it would be in the peak where I'm working, you know, eight to 10 hours a day. It was still at a pace. Mm-hmm. It was so much different than the pace in which we operate here in the U S and it really just made it, it was just a difference maker of, you know, you, I can vividly remember sitting out, you know, on a, on a patio in a restaurant having dinner with my wife and being like physically, there was nothing else. There was nothing else to going on uh, because my schedule wasn't jam packed. Um, Sitting out on the back porch with friends at night and just, just chatting and talking till one or two o'clock in the morning. Um, And we existed in those moments. We weren't planning the next day. We weren't, we weren't, you know, scheming the next big idea. We were just, talking and just kind of reminiscing on, on life and well everybody needs to be focused and and everybody needs to have you know we need to be we need to be focused and, and are on point at times it's it's also very healthy for us to to throttle off of being like that point on point person every minute of the day and this kind of just being in the moment um especially when we're with people we love our children you know our, our uh, special other, you know, people in our lives. It's just the people we care about. Can we, can we take those moments? And uh, me and I have had this conversation so many times of recognizing that uh, how much our marriage was able to grow while we lived in Haiti, simply because there was so many days of just like, it was just me and her hanging out. And it's like nowadays, there is no just me and her hanging out. Well, there's, there's me and her hanging out with three other, you know, little munchkins running around. Um, but just living in the moment, you know, just taking that opportunity to appreciate what you have. Um, and I also learned that they cook, I mean, seafood in the Caribbean is better than anywhere else in the world, right? You're just not going to, you're just not going to get the same taste in, uh in Raleigh, North Carolina, as you're going to get sitting anywhere in the Caribbean where the food was just taken from the ocean thirty minutes before you ate it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would say the Caribbean is probably the best seafood in in the entire world. They know everything about seasoning. <laughs> yep, indeed. yeah. So kind of uh, moving along. so it seems like you know you you had a you learned a lot of life lessons um in Haiti. and then coming back, you talked a little about a little bit about your transition. But so what was the next thing after, um, when you returned or immigrated back to the U S
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a complete restart. It was a complete restart for me. Um, you know, luckily I had, I had great family that surrounded me, my mom and dad, um, who were willing to kind of assist with us coming back. I mean, I had been basically a, a, a non-contributor to this, to the United States for five years. Um, cause everything I did, I mean, I came back one time for a quick vacation, uh, after the death of my, one of my grandparents and, uh, I stayed for two weeks and then I was literally right back into, into the mix. Uh, so it was trying to figure everything out. So, yeah. So when I got back, I had to figure out, um, work and what I was going to do and how I was going to provide. And, um, I had to go, I had to go simple. So I remember one of my first jobs when I got back was, was parking cars at one of our local arenas and, um, you know, it was a little bit above minimum wage and it, it barely really helped us out. Luckily, you know, like I said, my parents were around and they had, um, housing for us at that moment. So that helped, but I very quickly realized that I was going to have to figure something out. I was going to have to make some moves and things would have to change. And I had an opportunity to, um, to go go work at the airport. I had worked at the airport for a brief like year right after high school, and I had had an opportunity to to work with another company, and I really enjoyed my time. So, I um, I went to work with a company company called ASIG. My first my first really major inroad with uh with aviation, and this is where the opportunities really began. Uh, to produce. I, I really put in the work. I, I spent only a couple of months as a, as a frontline employee and quickly got promoted into the supervisory role. Uh, within, then within a, about eight months, I had uh, moved into operations manager role and, and then about a year and a half after that, I was in the general manager seat. Now now the thing a lot of people will forget, is while I was living in Haiti, I was, uh, the field director for about 25 employees in Haiti. So it wasn't like I wasn't doing anything. So I had management experience outside of the U. you know, outside of the U S. So a lot of people say, how did you just, you know, climb like that? Well, I had management experience. I knew how to lead people. It was just now taking it from the Caribbean and moving it to the U S and, um, so I was able to I ran into people like, you know, Steve Aiken, uh, Brian Davis, and just different people who really gave me opportunities early. But the thing on the other side of it, as I look back, is I was a hungry individual. I was willing to basically do whatever it took to get the job done. I was willing to travel. I was willing to I was willing to make the sacrifices in that moment to be able to get that edge that I needed to be able to get that, get the promotions that I wanted or I needed at those moments. And people ask me, well, what motivated you during that? It was having my first child. Um, you know, we have a common friend, Steve Aiken, and uh, you can ask Steve Aiken the next time you see him, you said, you know, what was the difference between Travis, between Travis before he had children and after he had children? And he, he would tell you, it was two completely different people. There was a motivation that came after that was a fire that was that was unstoppable in that moment. I was I was willing to do the work, um, and that's another life lesson I think that we we have to take away from this, especially early in our career. Um, if you truly want to be able to move quickly, like you have as well, Cameron, you move quickly. You're going to have to be willing to. Sacrifice and potentially uh, turn down some some comforts, you know that you can that you would use.
0: Hope you're enjoying this podcast interview with Travis. Just wanted to tell you about a new offering by TC Advisory Group. So deepen your understanding of yourself and others. DISC is a personal assessment tool used by more than one million people every year to help improve teamwork communication and productivity in the workplace. So if you would like to learn more about what the DISC assessment is all about, we're offering a DISC assessment along with a 30-minute consultation with our team at TC Advisory Group. Now, if you're interested in learning more about this, find out more about this service at TC Advisory Group. Dot com. Again, this includes a disk assessment along with a 30-minute consultation. And we also offer this to teams and organizations and also departments. So if you would like to try this out, feel free to book a discovery call with us. And the link is in the podcast description. Or you can check out our website, tcadvisorygroup.com.
1: But, you know, the, the main thing for me when, when we when I made that transition back from Haiti into the U S was this realization that, you know um, I did not have workforce experience here in the U S because I was, I mean, I left when I was 19 and started traveling back and forth to, to, to Haiti. So I realized very quickly, the only thing I could do is just be, be that person who's constantly adding value to the company, constantly putting my neck out there, being willing to, to, to do what needs to be done. Uh, doing the jobs that nobody wanted to do, uh, taking the shifts that nobody wanted to take, um, and and then luckily on the other side of this, I had a manager who who saw that and, and they see, saw that the sacrifice was there and was willing to to give me a shot. So I mean, I can remember um, when I was awarded when they gave me the job as supervisor. Um, you're, I, you're talking about I was they passed over people who had multiple years in the business to go to me because they saw the drive, the determination and the willingness to kind of go the extra mile. Um, There really is no other way at this point to, to try to get your foot in the door. you know, especially if you don't have a ton of credentials behind your name at that point, but to just do work and, and get it done. And luckily
0: I did. Yeah, Travis, you got to experience um, some pretty awesome senior level leadership roles um, at a very young age. One of them was in Haiti as director, and then in with your time in the aviation industry. Um, and that must have come with a lot of challenges. Then we probably face similar challenges being at, at those levels at such a young age. Um, what were some of your challenges that you had to really overcome being really a probably, I would say a senior leader in your, in your twenties.
1: Yeah. I mean, out, outside of just trying to keep the humility, <laughs> you know, and you, if you're, you know, here you are in your mid twenties and you're, you're leading people who are twice your age in some cases that have been doing, I can remember one case in particular. And I mean, and this just gentleman, I, I, I mean, I, I think the world of this guy now, it uh, we're still friends still today, but I can remember him coming up to me. He was my maintenance manager at the time and saying, you know, basically, hey, kid, you know, I've been doing this job longer than you've been alive. So basically, go sit in the corner and shut up. And my, my, my responses to how I handled those situations were probably some of my most challenging moments, but they were also some of my most uh, growth-oriented moments uh, of, of realizing, okay, you know, yes, this guy does have this experience. Yes, they do have the wisdom. So instead of making this a battle, I'm going to make this guy, my friend, um, and I'm going to come beside him and I'm going to ask his advice and I'm going to use his advice 80% of the time. So that when the, when the rare occasion comes that I have to go against what he wants, He's he's not gonna he's not gonna give me a lot of pushback. Um, so one of the early challenges of being that young is that you tend to have so many people you're leading that are working with you that are older and sometimes more experienced. And instead of instead of trying to pretend that that's not accurate, that somehow you do know more, I I, I found it so much wiser to just openly admit I need your help. Like I'm I'm so happy you're here. I'm I count myself lucky to be to have someone with this much experience on my team. Um, so whatever you have to say, say it, you know, I, and I, you know, and we just build that trust that way. And then, um, you tend to find success a lot quicker that way. And, you know, the old, the old saying you find, you know, you make friends quicker with honey than with, you know, with, you know, with, uh, with vinegar, right. I mean, you, you make friends quicker. So, building those relationships um, were key. So I can remember when I transitioned into uh, one of my other stations that I had later uh, later in my career, my career so far, it was um, I met another senior leader who, even though I was a little older, had still been in the business longer than, you know, I've been alive kind of deal. And I just remember I immediately went into that mode of just like building that person up, putting them on a pedestal, you know, praising them up, showing them how lucky I was to have them on the team. And it made such a difference. Um, So that was probably one of my biggest challenges. Another thing I faced as uh, anyone, anyone who's moved around would recognize um, just because you're still in the U S every Place you go in America, to, the, as far as the workforce, it's the culture's different. Um, you can literally, you know, get in a car today. Here, I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. I can get in a car today and drive up to Washington, D.C., and it's going to be two completely different cultures when it comes to work. And if y'all say get on an airplane and fly out to to Portland, Oregon, or down to West Palm Beach, Florida or you know Houston, Texas, or even where you are in Denver, uh, Cameron, or, or you know, wherever, um, the cultures are different. So one of the things I began to learn was I had to do a cultural diagnosis on the people that were around me before I really started making any major decisions or any major uh, changes. I had to understand why things, why things were the way they were before I can make rapid decisions. The only place I've ever felt comfortable making rapid decisions is in North Carolina. Because generally I've, I've known the culture here my whole life. Uh, so I'm not really scared of it or scared of making rapid change. But going anywhere else, um, it, you have to really think about that. And that is something I think that especially people who are at a, at a executive or senior super senior level position, that's leading across multiple regions. Um, you can't lead everyone the same, and that is why the the idea of man the the management the the idea of management versus leadership is such a radical conversation to have. Is you have to lead every work group differently. You can't treat them all the same. So I'd say that's probably two. There's there was a ton, but those are probably two of the big ones.
0: Yeah, and what would you you know? Faith is a very important component through your life, and it's it's been it's been part of really your DNA, part of your upbringing, and it's it's still very important today in in your life. So, how would you say faith uh, played a role in your journey throughout your your life so far and to to where you are today?
1: So, my faith has really been it's the reason why you know. I'm a kind person. It's a reason why I, I'm I I treat try I try to treat people well. Um, without without my faith, without Christ, uh, I am not I'm not a good person, right? I'm not who God would desire me to be. Um, so when I start thinking about like you know the times that I've I've struggled the most uh, is when I'm the furthest away from my faith. Um, when, when I've had issues in my marriage, it's because it's, you can almost self-diagnosis that whenever my faith because starts to become something that's, that's p- being pushed away from me, you start to see areas and pockets of your life begin to struggle severely and you have to bring it back to you. Um, you know, the challenges and the, in the, the changes that you have to make in life, uh, being able to, to hold onto your faith and then see, Uh, prayers answered and see things uh, happen uh, are, are, are amazing. You know, one of the things I always love to tell people is, you know, that uh, it's, it's not really a a religion. It's, it's more of a relationship. And just like, you know, when you meet certain people in your life, they, they help you change for the good. And I'd say the same thing as when you, when you meet Christ, you begin to change for the good. Um, So I don't want to be anyone, but you know, what, what faith gives me, Um, you know, because like I said, I I probably wouldn't be married now. I probably would not be a a good father. Um, I wouldn't be a good son to my, my parents, you know, um, it really has grounded me and kept me honest throughout the years. Well, I appreciate your insights
0: on that, uh, Travis, and and being a little open about your faith. Um, I know you recently transitioned uh, out of the aviation industry, and um,
1: so what are you what are you doing uh, today? Well, as you know, um, me and you have combined for our joint venture with TC Advisory Group, and uh, that's a that's a huge part of what I'm doing now. Um, I really have a passion for helping new managers grow. Um, you know, 60% of people who step into management will, will be gone out of management in two years. And, and a lot of that is rooted back into, they were not prepared, they weren't ready for it and they did not get the proper training. Um, I, I, really feel like, you know, as, as the workforce becomes more demanding, expectations are higher. Um, everyone deserves to be led well, everyone deserves to be, uh, to be under good management. And it really is the difference maker, you know, it's your culture, your, your trendsetters. It's going to be your, it's going to be your middle management. Uh, You know, I don't want to see the, I don't care what you, what you got written on the wall. I want to see what is your middle management living out on a daily basis. And that's going to be what sets the trend for your company. So we've, we've, we've kind of set off with uh, developing our, our different uh, product lines here, different things we're going to be doing together, uh, but really just centered around, you know, the business leader, the business manager, uh, we have really leaned into because I think it's just an appropriate thing for our time in our lives to be able to speak into, uh, that first time manager, you know, we're, we're far enough away from it now that we can speak about it, but we're close enough to it to actually remember what it felt like, um, in those, those early days of, of leading and trying to figure out what we, what we're supposed to do, you know, um. I can remember how exciting it was when I signed that offer letter that said general manager at the top of it. But I can also remember the next day waking up and saying, what in the world did I just do? You know, um, and if I can help, if we can help just even one person navigate that better and lead and help them to lead at a higher capacity faster, um, we, at TC, as far as the accomplishment of what TC advisory group, I would forfe- say we have fulfilled that promise. Um, and I'm also, you know, I've still got the, uh, what I've been been doing for many years now, what we call the Travis Van Dusen Group, which is basically uh, local training, leadership development training, uh, you know, communication training, things that we've been, that I believe are our core principles to not just the workforce, but to, I mean, whatever you're doing. Um, spent time with a group yesterday that ended up, the conversation was supposed, you know, was in a business setting, but ended up half the conversation ended up being about, uh, you know, communication with their families. So, um, everything that we talk about, you know, across all of our podcasts, you know, and all of our stuff, um, is useful in all areas of your life. You know, you you want to become a better communicator for the business world. Well, then, but it also helps you communicate better with, uh, you know, with, with your spouse or your significant other. Um, you know these things are just so so important that I that I felt this was a time for 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 me to kind of step away and to focus fully on this. And like I said, Cameron, when we got so we got a lot of things uh, going, a lot of irons in the fire, and a lot of exciting things coming down the pike. So um, yeah, I'm keeping busy.
0: And where would you say your uh, passion for leadership stemmed from?
1: i would say my passion for leadership stems from two places um, number 1 is is i watched how my i watched how my first senior pastor led uh his church and how and i appreciated how much he how how well he he led others and i as i got older 18 19 years old i remember beginning to ask him uh you know how, did, how, do you know to, how, did, how do you know how well to make these decisions, how quickly to make these decisions? And he began to share with me leadership principles. And, and he was the one who introduced me to John Maxwell and Jim Collins and really started putting leadership books in my hands. He was actually the first person to buy a leadership book for me. The second part of the leadership really still stems from the first time I ever sat in the leadership chair. I had no training. And really, it was by number one, the grace of God, and really by my own wittiness and the luck of having a couple of people around me who were willing to help me and be patient with me that I was successful. And but but when I started walking away from that, I realized number one, it was so important that I grow myself, that I get better, but also that you know, other people need this these opportunities to grow uh before they step into these positions because people are stepping into these positions and failing and then they come back and they say i'm not a leader because i failed and i'm starting to and i go to some no you, you you are a leader and you can be a leader it was just you weren't equipped correctly and you were and you weren't given the right tools to help you be successful um and that we, as you can see right now, I could go on and on and on about this. I just think that the passion spans from the fact that I, I know what it feels like to be ill equipped. And, uh, and, and then I also see so many people entering the, ma- the, the leadership space and they're not equipped. And I'm like, that's just not acceptable. So my passion is to just make, make you know, bridge that gap as much as I can. Well, cool. This has been a
0: really, really awesome discussion. I think we went through almost your whole biography, <laughs> I think on this podcast, yeah. um, but um, any, any final thoughts on, uh, on your story?
1: No, I mean, I think the most interesting thing is, is when you do something like this, you, you start to realize how much more you have to share about your story. than you, than you, you realize um, just even some of the stuff we talked about with Haiti, I haven't visited since i left you know left haiti you know almost because eight years nine years ago now um i i think there's just so much value in telling your story there's things that are happening to you that you know happening to you going to happen to you that are valuable to share with others um and i think that's i think that's why uh this this is such a great exercise for anybody to do
0: yeah. So as we kind of wrap up this this discussion uh, for the podcast, um, with everything that you've done and everything that you've experienced and everything that you are doing today, what is one advice you would give
1: to our audience and listeners and viewers? Um, the best piece of advice I think I could give people is if you don't like to read, learn. force yourself, make yourself learn to read. Um, I think that is something that our society is becoming more and more. I'm meeting more and more people by the day that are unwilling to, to do any reading at all. Um, and I think that eventually that will become a detriment to our society and our ability to grow, um, is, uh, I was actually having a conversation with a pastor friend of mine the other day, and he was actually saying that seminaries are having to shrink their book sizes because, the seminary students are now are are now unwilling to read the four and the 500 you know page books and because they can't handle it well a lot of that is just because people don't have the tolerance anymore to be able to read um so making that a practice for yourself is, is huge well that's awesome it's been uh it's been amazing
0: just to hear your story, and I think we should definitely do this again, dive a bit deeper in, in one of one of the stories or topics. So appreciate your this discussion and, and your time on this podcast. Not a problem. <laughs> well, we thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Leadership Download Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this discussion that I had with Travis and got the uh, rare opportunity, I would say, to interview him. And so hope hopefully this provided some more insights on who Travis Van Dusen is all about. And if you would like to connect with him more, uh, you can find him on every social media platform, uh, Travis Van Dusen, and uh, you can connect with him there. And I'll, I'll leave the link in the podcast description where you can connect with Travis and the work that he's doing. He's an avid blog writer and writes uh, frequent articles on LinkedIn and which are very insightful. And he puts a lot of time into that content as well. And he actually does most of the writing for any podcast teachings that we do. So he's kind of the uh, the expert behind uh, the work that we're doing, and really the the true content creator I would call. Um, So thank you so much again for tuning in. And if you want to connect with the new venture that Travis and I have partnered on, you can check us out at tcadvisorygroup.com. We have several offerings that we can help you in your leadership, wherever you're at. And we can also help your organization, your team, your department, whatever that might be. And feel free to book a discovery call um, on our website. And also I'll leave the link in our podcast description as well if you would like to find out more about tc advisory group and how we can help your organization or even your leadership on an individual level so we hope this podcast interview added value to your leadership and you're able to get good takeaways wherever you're at in your leadership journey we will catch you on the next episode